Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Wednesday, November 8th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Small rural school districts are cooperating with each other to give additional opportunities to students. And it's not just because they want to, they have to. This type of education is going to only have to expand or, you know, students are going to be left without. Coming up, we'll hear from some school districts in Illinois that are using cooperation to combat declining enrollment. Voters in three St. Louis area communities have approved a 3% sales tax on recreational marijuana. The measures were on ballots yesterday in Arnold, St. Charles, and St. John. Roughly 75% of voters in Arnold and St. Charles favored the tax. Around 65% of those who cast ballots approved it in St. John. Also in yesterday's elections, a Manchester annexation plan was rejected. Voters in the targeted area of unincorporated St. Louis County did not approve the proposal, while those in Manchester voted in favor of it. The measure needed approval from both groups of voters. Missouri will not remove children from Medicaid for one year if their parents are no longer eligible for the health care program. The Post-Dispatch reports the change follows a federal mandate to secure continuous coverage for children. Many states have been purging Medicaid roles after they were not allowed to during the pandemic. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services says children make up nearly half of all people removed from the federal program since the reviews started. Illinois lawmakers are ordering an audit of state-run health care programs covering undocumented residents. Enrollment has been paused because of much higher than expected costs. Republican State Representative Amy Ellick says the programs spend state money that's not always eligible for federal reimbursement. We feel that the General Assembly really can't make responsible budget decisions without having accurate information about the cost of the program. The programs will also charge copays at some point next year. A study will determine the feasibility of a proposed 16-mile fuel pipeline to Scott Air Force Base. St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer reports it would address a long-standing need. The underlying issue was identified all the way back in the 1990s. That's when Scott was scrutinized as part of a national base realignment and closure process. One of the deficiencies identified was how the base trucked in its jet fuel. The Kaskaskia Regional Port District will conduct the study since the proposed pipeline would start at the Kaskaskia River. District General Manager Ed Weilbacher says a pipeline could address the Scott deficiency. And that's where this pipeline comes into play. It's going to provide more resiliency. They'll provide a redundant source of fuel, and also it'll be resilient for long term. Beyond the feasibility, Weilbacher says the study would determine the cost, including making it environmentally safe. He expects the study to take a year. I'm Will Bauer, St. Louis Public Radio. The sponsor of legislation to improve conditions for people who are homeless in St. Louis has pulled her proposal. Seventh Ward Alderwoman Alicia Sonye canceled hearings on her bills yesterday. The Post-Dispatch is reporting they will be pulled from consideration. The bills would have made it easier for homeless shelters to open and operate. They would have created city-run encampments with security and sanitation facilities. The proposals ran into opposition from different factions on the Board of Aldermen. Sonia says she will work to find a version a majority of the board can support. Forest Park is moving forward with long-awaited plans to build basketball courts. St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones says it's an investment in community youth. 
I can't wait to see my six foot seven lanky son uh, over here in Forest Park uh, playing basketball on Saturdays or whenever he can get out of my house. Forest Park Forever is leading the fundraising for the project. It has a goal of $1.5 million for build and design work. Construction is expected to be complete by next summer and will include two full basketball courts, two half courts, player benches, and new lighting. Film lovers in the St. Louis region will get a chance to see award-winning movies when the Whitaker-St. Louis International Film Festival returns this week. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, it will allow some filmmakers to share the often-overlooked contributions of notable black Americans. This year's festival runs from Thursday through November 19th. Among its 278 films is The Space Race, a National Geographic film that documents the careers of the first black astronauts, scientists, and pilots who worked at NASA. Lisa Cortez co-directed the documentary with Diego Hurtado de Mendoza. She says the film highlights an important part of history that many might not be aware of. It makes people literally thirsty to know what else about the history and contributions of African-Americans they haven't been told. The movie is part of Race in America, the Black Experience Spotlight, a series of 16 films this year aimed at documenting the contributions of black Americans. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. Schools have a lot to offer. Classes, special education programs, sports, support for mental health, and much more. But what about schools that can't offer everything? Many smaller, often rural schools resort to one of the first lessons they teach, sharing. Peter Medlin reports. Jennifer Wold starts her day teaching exploratory and intro to agriculture at the Leland School District, a small rural district in LaSalle County, and she teaches both middle and high school. Then, after a few classes, she gets in her car and drives six miles east to teach more high school ag and advise the FFA club at the Samanac School District. Wold is a shared teacher, and she wears both a Leland and Samanac lanyard to prove it. It's interesting because it's seven minutes apart, but it's a, it is a completely different dynamic. Shared teacher setups like this aren't very common, but Leland and Samanak already work together, so it made sense. They share sports teams and a food vendor. In fact, Leland and Samanak almost completely consolidated last year. The districts also share classes, like agriculture, so when Wold comes to Samanak, so do some of her Leland High School students. In fact, students from a third district, Sandwich, also come to Samanak for ag. It allows those districts to offer their students classes like plant science, food science, and ag mechanics that they otherwise couldn't. Class sharing does happen more frequently at smaller, often rural schools. Tim McConnell is the principal at Erie High School, a northern Illinois school about 20 minutes from the Mississippi River. They've had a sports co-op with nearby Prophetstown High School since the late 90s. But five years ago, they expanded the co-op to include everything, sports, activities, and academics. McConnell says the decision made a lot of sense for both sides, especially considering one factor. Well, our school enrollments, both in Prophetstown and in Erie, are steadily declining. So when I came here 22 years ago, as the principal, we were at 250, and now we're down to 190. The districts build their schedules together, so if an Erie student wants to take a class that their school doesn't offer, they can take it at Prophetstown, and vice versa. 
They both offer dual credit opportunities students at either district can take. McConnell says as enrollment at districts like Erie shrink and it becomes more difficult to hire certain teaching positions, arrangements like this are going to become even more common. This type of education is going to only have to expand or, you know, students are going to be left without. And so people need to get on board with it and not be afraid of it. It's easy to do if you, you know, have the passion to get it done. Brian Dukes is the superintendent of the Earlville School District in LaSalle County. And he says collaboration is one of the most valuable tools he has in education. He'll borrow a good idea from anywhere. Earlville works with other districts on curriculum and various school programs. They also share school support staff with neighboring districts. For example, they've had a hard time filling their school psychologist position. So now they share a psychologist with two other districts. The district also shares a school resource officer and a special education coordinator, too. Duke says it allows them to maintain high-quality services and save some money. I think it's very likely there's going to come a time in the next two or three years that we're going to have to share teachers with other districts. Back in Samanac, Jennifer Wold agrees that sharing teachers can be a great opportunity for certain school districts. But in her own experience, there are some drawbacks. Last year, I had to work spring break because Leland and Samanac spring break did not match up. And because I'm the only shared employee, no one, it's almost like sometimes that gets forgotten. This year, she will at least have a spring break. Well, Maybe not a whole spring break because of FFA. I got it this year. Yeah, I'm going to run a contest, but that's my fault. And sometimes she feels torn between districts, like she's not 100% a part of either. She has to miss staff meetings moving between schools, but thankfully has co-teachers in both spots to keep her in the loop. And she feels like, even though it's not a perfect system, it does increase her ability to create unique and meaningful education experiences for her agriculture students at all our schools. I'm Peter Medlin. Peter is a reporter at member station WNIJ. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.